What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. Ryan Grepper was sure he knew how to beat the heat with an innovative approach to the old beach standby, the drinks cooler. He added some bells and whistles, updating the frosty concept with some picky bonus features. To get things moving, he launched a crowdfunding campaign that was incredibly successful and earned a lot of ice but soon found out that manufacturing a new product isn't easy. And the whole process ended up leaving a lot of early supporters out in the cold. This is the coolest cooler on the brink. Hey guys, I'm Jonathan Strickland. And I'm Ariel Kasten. And thank you, Bill Jeffers, for giving us this awesome suggestion. Yeah, yeah. This is a one that I have covered on my show Tech Stuff a little bit. I did an episode uh, about some of crowdfunding's biggest successes and failures. And spoiler alert, Coolest Cooler falls into the latter category. Yeah, sadly. Sadly, because I think the concept is really cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're going to be saying cool a lot and not meaning it in a punny way. Yeah. But not, if you want to interpret it as a pun, feel free. Yes. Uh, but no, I. if I were not so thrifty, I was about to say cheap, but I'm going to say thrifty, mm-hmm. I would have 100% wanted to back this Product. A lot of people did. Lots of people backed this product so much so that, uh, and not to skip ahead too much, but it would become one of the most successful Kickstarter campaigns mm-hmm. in history. Uh, we'll get to that. But as it turns out, as as we alluded to in the introduction, things did not go smoothly. And it was largely, I think, due to innocent naivete. It was a yeah. lot of of. of underestimating exactly how hard it is to mass produce a brand new product. I'd have to agree with you, Jonathan. Uh, So let's get into a little bit of how this product came about, this Coolest Cooler. 
Uh, it was launched in 2013 by Ryan Grepper from Portland, Oregon. He used to be a medical sales rep, uh, and he was a self-described inventor since 2006, which is, I, I believe, around the time that this product started taking form. Mm-hmm. He's also, um, he's still listed as a member of the CNBC Tech Crowd Council. Yeah. Which is made up of people who have done a successful crowdfunding campaigns. Mm. Yeah. Yes, his campaign was successful. Yes. For the crowdfunding uh, part. I, I was kind of surprised to see him still on there, but yeah. he, he, spoiler alert, guys, Cool is Cooler is still around. Yeah, So, but Ryan Grepper's uh, reputation has taken an enormous beating in the process. Yeah. Uh, so, so his idea initially started off as a pair of ideas before it merged into Transformer like what the Coolest Cooler would be, right? Yeah, he tried to make a portable blender f- from a weed whacker. <laughs> and then he made a cooler with a car stereo in it. Uh, and then after he made these these initial prototypes, he was like, well, I need to make them smaller so I can bring them places. Yeah. And he got the inspiration that if he made it smaller, he could sell it. Uh, and his idea was for the cooler to be a place where people gather to have all the things that make a space somewhere you'd want to hang out. Mm-hmm. And according to CNBC, his early experiments to compile all these things together didn't work so well. Yeah, I just have this um, uh, in my imagination. Now I know this isn't what it actually looked like, but in my imagination, you have like a, 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 an igloo uh, style cooler with mm-hmm. a car stereo duct taped onto it. Like that's how I imagine these early I, versions being. That's how I'd do it. <laughs> just, just saying. But the whole idea was, you know, You've been to plenty of parties. You've hosted parties. Mm -hmm. You know, as well as I do, that often a central gathering point for a party ends up being the kitchen. It's it's kind of, it's where the food is, it's where the drinks are. People tend to hover there. And then uh, sooner or later, a party kind of just, it's centered there. It might spin off in other places. Yeah. So this was kind of the same concept, was that if you have all of these elements in a cooler, and you're outdoors, the cooler becomes kind of the central focal point for the party. Yeah, and he had an initial setup for the cooler, but by the end of his Kickstarter campaigns, plural, uh, his cooler, his coolest cooler, would include a USB charging station, a blender for crushing ice, a waterproof Bluetooth speaker, Mm -hmm. waterproof Bluetooth speaker, yes, an LED light for the lid, uh, dinnerware and storage for it, a cutting board, a bottle opener, all-terrain wheels, like a bungee cord thingy, mm-hmm. and a little hiding spot for your keys and phone. Yeah. Also, it was a 55-quart cooler. Yeah. It, it would be uh, kind of ridiculous if he made this cooler with all these bells and whistles that didn't actually keep your beverages it, cold. It, it reminds me of the trend. It was before even smartwatches, but the trend where watches were including more and more features, and mm-hmm. the standard joke was, what's the time? And then the person would be like, Time? Yeah, exactly. That was that was a that was a that's a longstanding joke in technology. You've seen it in like, you know, comic strips and things like Mm -hmm. that. Same sort of thing. Like if you had ended up with the coolest cooler that couldn't actually keep food cold, that would be ridiculous. So he initially launched a crowdfunding campaign in November 2013, and he was targeting a specific kind of of market. He was thinking about uh, people who liked tailgating and mm-hmm. he was timing it to go along with the holiday Christmas uh, shopping uh, he, 
season. I mean, you think that would be a smart move, right? Yeah, but uh, it turns out it didn't it didn't quite pan out. He did not make his goal on that. No. Yeah, he he was seeking a hundred twenty five thousand dollars, and he ultimately raised uh well the campaign met a hundred two thousand from two hundred seventy nine backers, but. Uh, the way Kickstarter works is it's an all or nothing proposal. You either make your goal or you get and you get whatever you make plus over or you make nothing at all. Mm -hmm. So if you have a goal of $50,000 and you only hit $20,000, nobody gets charged, no money changes hands and your campaign fails. Uh, If you make 50,000, then everyone gets charged however much they pledged. You get your $50,000 minus Kickstarter's cut, which I think is 5% of the actual money earned. Yeah. Uh, and if it makes more than $50,000, then you get more than what you had set as your goal. Uh, Kickstarter obviously has a strong incentive to promote the, uh, the, the campaigns that are doing well. Like if there's a lot of buzz, it makes a lot of sense for Kickstarter to kind of put those closer yeah, to the front page. That's more of a commission they get. Exactly, yeah. So if it's a really successful one, then Kickstarter gets a bigger cut because, I mean, it's still 5%, but it's 5% of a much larger number. Yeah. And uh, so that first one didn't work out so well, but the second Kickstarter campaign was a different story. Yeah, his second campaign launched on July 8th of 2014. He set a smaller goal, $50,000, <laughs> which I... Just from the get-go, that seems problematic to me. If you need $250 to create your coolers, don't set a lower goal so you meet your goal. Unless you're specifically thinking, I'm going to start with a very small uh, shipment. Yeah. Like, if you if you still kept the price point for your cooler at the same level, but you thought, uh, I'll make a smaller batch, mm-hmm. then that might work out. But as it turns out, that's not what happened. No, no. So, first, I I want to say, it shows you... How small Ryan was thinking, because at his cheapest donation amount, $5, you got a thanks and the promise of having your name written on Ryan's personal cooler. Mm -hmm. A 55-quart cooler can only hold so many names. Yeah. Unless you're like one of those grain of rice writers. Yeah. And even then. um, And then the highest level, if you donated $2,000 or more, Ryan would come be your personal bartender for an event in your hometown Mm -hmm. and give you one of the first coolers. So, and, and he would sign that one, and he'd have plenty yeah. of space. Yeah, and so you look at this, and you go, obviously, he was thinking he'd get a moderate amount of backers, 280 or so, like his first campaign, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more, because he can't travel to that many people's hometowns. And, <laughs> and he, he had earned more than $100,000 had the campaign succeeded in the previous example. So even if he got twice as many, uh, you know, you're still thinking, all right, 100000 maybe $200,000. That's more or less on what he, you know, on par with what he was looking at for the first time. Through. Yeah. So he was he was thinking, let's try this, and he he decided to launch it at a different time of year. Yeah. Because he was yeah. looking at the summer. He was launching it right around, uh, you know, just after the Fourth of July weekend. You're talking about prime uh, beach going, outdoor grilling kind of of uh, time frame here. It's when people are going outside and doing these activities where they need to have a big cooler or, with them. Or wanting a cooler they can crawl into and hide from the hot Georgia summer. Yeah, especially, yeah. Once you get into yeah. the heat and humidity here, you're, you're looking for <laughs> any relief available. Yeah. 
Uh, he estimated that the final retail cost of the coolest cooler, this is from the Kickstarter page, which by the way, is still, it's still something you can visit. You can go and check out the Kickstarter page for this, uh, this particular campaign. Yep. Kickstarter keeps them all. Act- it's no longer there active. There are certain but- parts of the page you cannot uh, access unless you have donated. To yes, it. there there are messages that go out just to backers. So if you yeah. are a backer, you have access to those. But the public facing page is still available. So he estimated that the final retail cost for the coolest cooler was going to be two hundred ninety nine dollars. Uh, so three hundred dollars for a cooler seems like a hefty price tag. But as it, it turns out, it was also an underestimation of how much he would need to charge for that particular. Uh, invention. I I do want to say I went online and I did a little bit of research. Some super high end, super large coolers do cost hundreds of dollars. Oh yeah. So it's not a completely unreasonable price. It's more than I probably would want to pay for a cooler. Yeah. Oh, and but, I mean, like, so <laughs> there are products that cater to people who have way more money than <laughs> you and I do, mm-hmm. and not very much idea of what to spend it on. I'll put it that way. Uh, that's that not very to, kind. <laughs> it's not to say that those those products are no good or that they're only marginally better than, say, a a, a decent cooler would run you. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. There, some of them may be truly incredible and be much more efficient at managing, you know, heat and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. But uh, he also, on that campaign, had an offer where if you were one of the first 50 people to pledge, you could pledge $165 and get a reserved coolest cooler of your own, uh, those 50 slots disappeared almost immediately. No surprise. Yeah. Well, 150 for a cooler is a lot more palatable. Yeah. So then uh, because they went so fast and because the West Coast had not even had an opportunity to look at it because the, the campaign went live before most people on the West Coast of the United States had even woken up, he decided to release another group, this time just 20 slots for more early bird coolers, and those went super fast too. The next amount you could pledge, let's say you missed out on those 70, which wouldn't be a big surprise. I mean, they did go super fast. Mm -hmm. Your next option would be to pledge at a level of $185 or more, and that would put you on the reservation list for your own coolest cooler. So again, you're still still looking at um, $115 off the, the projected retail price. Yeah. Uh, you would then also have to kick in $15 for shipping, which would, you could argue, push the the price tag for the coolest cooler to $200. And that's how most websites refer to it. Like yeah. It was a $200 cooler. Yeah. Still not, still not horrible. Still a pretty big discount. Um, I, I think it was so popular because he took lessons that he learned from his first Kickstarter mm-hmm. and and really marketed the second one well. He reached out to previous backers and enthusiasts through email. He hit up social media and he did live events all prior to actually launching this campaign. Mm-hmm. So anybody who is already excited about it would then be excited at their friends about it. Yeah, they would tell people, oh, you know, I tried to back this last time. It didn't work out. You guys should get in on this because think how incredible this is going to be. And then it worked because some news outlets, mostly local ones, were starting to pick it up. And this would increase as the campaign would launch. And in fact, it would turn into a frenzy when the campaign was starting to get truly successful. Yeah. yeah. So it it became a, a self-perpetuating cycle, right? Because the campaign started picking up steam. It was getting a lot of backers. 
That in turn was notable enough to get the attention of the media that hadn't already covered this, which brought even more people to back it. So it started to kind of become a a spinning boulder down the hill situation. Well, and it became a spinning boulder quickly. It beat its goal in four days. Within four days, it had made $3.2 million. Yeah, that's a lot more than $50,000. And a whole lot. And by the end of the two-month campaign, it had raised... $13,285,226 from over 60,000 backers. And once it beat out Pebble's watch as the most successful Kickstarter of all time at that time, it got a ton more press coverage. Time magazine even named it one of the best inventions of 2014. Yeah. They did this in 2014. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it was before, before this had really even had a chance to prove itself. And... So then uh, they began to to work on finalizing the actual design of the products. And now they got the money mm-hmm. to go into the process of making the thing. Yeah, and they worked with uh, Studio Fathom to get their prototype out, which had 55 parts in it. Um, and this is so that Time Magazine could photograph it for the article. Yeah, it's hard to take pictures of a thing that's largely theoretical. Yeah, I I mean, they had pictures of the original design of the cooler, but this was redesigned. Yeah. So, um, and and through all this, so he has this successful campaign. Uh, Ryan thought he had planned appropriately for supply and logistics ahead of time. He thought he had sourcing partners in place based on the money that he made. And he was so optimistic that he figured, uh, unlike 75% of crowdfunding campaigns that face delays, he would be able to avoid them. Yeah, he was wrong. And yeah, he was wrong. <laughs> he he had planned on starting to deliver coolers by February 2015, but if you know anything about this story, you know that was far too optimistic. And if you don't know anything about this story, we'll tell you about it. But first, we're going to take a quick break. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. 
Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. That's LifeLock.com iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. All right, so Grepper has this crowdfunding campaign. It is monumentally successful. Mm -hmm. has an enormous following. Lots of enthusiastic backers who just can't wait to get their hands on this cooler that can do everything uh, 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 that you can imagine and be prepared to live their best beach-clad lives. The cooler cannot do everything you could imagine. I don't think it could walk a puppy for you. Nor could it actually transport you to the beach, but just about everything just else. Just about it could everything do. else. Yeah, you're right. So what happened? Well, he immediately started to encounter issues in manufacturing. And this is a good time to remember that manufacturing's got a lot of moving pieces, right? Mm-hmm. You've got your whole supply chain. Now it's one thing if you're making a relatively simple product where the supply chain is is pretty linear, where you know you've you've got you get the raw materials from one place, it goes into a manufacturing facility, it then goes into the shipping department of that facility, and then it goes out to customers. That's really simple. But the coolest cooler had a lot of different parts to it. It had these speakers, it had the USB charging uh, uh, outlets, it had... A you know, motor for the blender. Yeah, it's got all these different parts, and they were coming from different places, which means if there's a delay in any part of that supply chain, it delays the overall product. And there was, so the the manufacturing facility in China that made the blender motor, which there was one place that he sourced for this, one place only. He had no backups because his specifications for this blender motor were so high. He wanted it to be really good production. Um, They went on strike. And so it stopped his entire entire line of assembly, which also took a really long time because they had 55 parts, a lot of which had to be hand-assembled. Now, if you've ever looked at a Coolest Cooler online, like if you've gone to Amazon, where you can still see Coolest Coolers uh, listed, although if you want one of the classic ones, uh, typically you're looking at buying it from a reseller. Mm -hmm. But if you look at it, you'll see that there are a couple different configurations. There's one version of the Coolest Cooler that has a regular top, doesn't have the blender part, and it's significantly cheaper than the one that comes with the blender. Well, the one that was on the Kickstarter page, the one that the backers backed, specifically mentioned that the blender was part of it. Mm-hmm. So that was a big issue with the the supply chain for the blender motor all all uh, uh, screwed up. It really put him behind. But even still, he was estimating that by September, 
mm-hmm. by September, he could get everybody their coolers. And, and that did not happen. Either. No, not at all. Um, everything was a lot more expensive than he anticipated. Yeah. So that final retail price turned out to be too low. Yeah. That, and in fact, he said this over and over again. He said one of the biggest problems he had was that he had underestimated how expensive it would be to produce these coolers and that uh, it was an issue where if you did the math, there was no way around it. You were going to lose money mm-hmm. on those Kickstarter orders. Like there was, this was beyond selling things at cost where you're just covering the expense of the materials and labor to put to the product together. Now you're actually taking a bath on those sales. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it does not take a, a, a business major to tell you that you can't stay in business that way. You, mm-hmm. You're bleeding money being in business. You cannot, yeah. you can't make it up in volume. That's just going to bleed you out faster. Yeah. So this is where he had to start figuring out, what do I do about this? Well, he had another idea that, again, kind of makes sense, but also made a lot of people angry. He decided to sell his cooler on Amazon mm-hmm. because that way he could sell it at a higher price than what he listed on Kickstarter mm-hmm. and make up some profit on the coolers and then use that money on on making and shipping these individual coolers to people to get all of the coolers for all of the Kickstarter people to them. Yeah. Uh, because he didn't have the money to do it. Yeah. So essentially this was uh, the reason this caused such a, a fuss is that the people who were backing it on Kickstarter, uh, I can't speak for everybody, but I notice in general that a lot of people act like Kickstarter is an early access store. Mm-hmm. That's not what Kickstarter is. No, you're an investor in an idea. Yeah. And you, sometimes investments don't pay off. I mean, we've done plenty of episodes of The Brink where that has turned out to be yeah. true. You've backed some some uh, campaigns that didn't Let's not go into off. my personal history <laughs> and how many watches I have backed that never came out. But the campaigns are successful. Yes, they were. I... I think there are three different watch campaigns I backed that did not I, ever ship. I think that just makes you an expert on the topic. Jonathan. But the, again, I did it knowing that there was the possibility that somewhere down the line, something like this could happen mm-hmm. where I'm giving, I'm pledging money to a business that I hope succeeds. But there are a lot of factors out there that don't have anything to do with the sincerity of the business owner that can uh, sink a business, right? Yeah. You also have people out there who are disingenuous, who are snake oil salesmen, who they're selling an idea, but they don't have any any intention of seeing yeah. it through. I never got the feeling that Grepper was one of those people. No, no. I really think he just lacked the business knowledge to set this up to be su- successful yeah. or as successful as it was. Maybe if he had the low numbers that he expected – and the money that he he was originally estimating for, he would have done fine. Yeah, maybe he could have ramped up slowly and and grown more uh, organically. But the crazy success and the amazing amount of attention that was directed toward his campaign really was an albatross around his neck. Yeah. And so the whole goal of any business-oriented Kickstarter campaign is to have, usually at least, to have a sustainable business on the other side of it, right? Mm-hmm. So the whole goal of Coolest Cooler 
that campaign wasn't just to ship out coolers to backers. It was to create a viable business where he would be selling these coolers to other retailers. Yes. And that the people who backed it, their reward for backing it would be getting a cooler at a discounted price. Mm -hmm. The problem was that unless he was selling them at this higher markup at these retailers, he wouldn't have the money to cover sending out those those backer coolers yeah. to the backers. So I, the backers are upset because the thing that they've been waiting for is not coming to their to their house when they expected it. And somebody else who didn't back the campaign could, in theory, go out and order one and get one ahead of them. Yeah, in two weeks or, uh, or a couple of days. Yeah. Uh, you have a note here, and I think it's true that a big part of the issue was communication. Mm -hmm. there, are, there are notes and there are comments about, we haven't heard anything. And so they did do a live stream to say, look, you guys, we need 15 million more dollars than we expected. Mm -hmm. We're trying to get it through selling coolers so that we can get you your rewards. Yeah. They and they did. They sent out some rewards early on, and it just, it got too big for them. Well, so. and and that also ended up being an issue. Like, there was no good way for Grepper to get out of this mm -mm. because he owed something like 60,000 people these coolers, and he could only do them in batches. And so what would happen is you would send out, you would have this company sending out coolers to backers in these smaller batches, but the media focus was on how many people were still waiting for yeah. a cooler. It wasn't saying coolest cooler has made good on, you know, 10,000 of the, the pledges and is working hard to get the other 50,000. It was yeah. instead it was 50,000 people are still waiting for their coolers, which wasn't doing him or his company any favors. Mm -hmm. So again, like, yes, the mistake was his. We're not going to lift all responsibility off of him and say like he was a victim in all of this. But at the same time, I think the way it unfolded, it was pretty much a worst case scenario for him to have yeah. to deal with on top of all just the production headaches he had. Yeah. Well, he does. He does. I don't know if it's victim blaming or a little bit of shaming, but he he has been noted to say that he thinks part of what has delayed him so long is that when he put the coolers on Amazon, all of these backers went on and made these horrible reviews because yeah. they're upset they didn't have their coolers. And he's like, guys. You're shooting yourself in the foot here. Yeah, it's it's just delaying when I can get enough money to make good on the promise I've made you. But then again, if I were said, hey, if you pay $97, we'll get you your cooler quicker, then you're paying the quote-unquote retail price for the cooler, at which point. Yeah, so that was something else that came up I'd was that he, he said one solution to the problem they had was that if you were a backer and you wanted your cooler faster, you could get it by... Uh, giving an extra $97 to the company that would make up enough of the difference for him to be able to put those people on a priority list and they would yeah. get their coolers faster. But you didn't have to do that. Like, again, the way a lot of news outlets reported this, it sounded like if you don't cough up the $97, you're never going to get your cooler. That wasn't the case. It was if you want your cooler now, you have to pay almost an extra $100. If you are patient, you can wait. And it may take a while, but at I, least in theory, you'll eventually get it. I wonder if some of those news outlets reporting it were the reporters maybe had backed it and were feeling a little sore. I mean, um, I probably not. It was but. it was it's very easy to get the the idea that the company was bleeding backers mm -hmm. dry. 
But again, the more I look into it, the less I feel like that's the case. And the more I feel like I agree, there was no good pathway out of this this hole. Okay, so after all this, they started shipping in July of 2015. More Mm -hmm. coolers. Yep. They had enough money to restart shipping. uh, And they hoped they'd be done by October of 2015. Uh, How'd that turn out? Uh, It didn't. Yeah, there's so, I mean, there are still lots of people waiting for their coolers. I'll I'll give a kind of figure in a second. But uh, they began to sell the model of the cooler that was covered by the Kickstarter campaign for $485 on their site, which if you look at the, if you look at the initial projected retail price of $299, I'm pretty sure $485 is more than that. Yeah. I'm an English major, but. That's a lot for a cooler. Yeah. Just shy of 500 bucks. But uh, it, it also shows that this cooler and all the parts that were necessary in order to put it together and to have it do all the things it was supposed to do, that it was way more expensive to produce than what he mm-hmm. had anticipated. And yeah. it's about, again, we'll get into lessons at the end of the episode, but one thing this immediately tells you is that whenever you are thinking about really any business endeavor, but particularly if you're making something physical, you should grossly overestimate how much it's going to cost you to make it because it'll prepare you better to in, when you encounter those problems yeah. to to manage them. Well, and then if you do have if you do have a surplus at the end of it, if everything goes as you expected and not as you planned for, then you can either give it back to your supporters or you can invest it in your company to be more successful. Mm-hmm. Um make sure you talk to other people who know what they're doing. Yeah. Instead of just like your own research is good, but also talk to industry experts. But, you know, I'd have to imagine that there were there was fallout beyond just angry consumers from all of this failure to deliver product. Oh, yeah. Uh, you had you even had people who were ordering it and uh, and you know they're actually purchasing it online and getting it ahead of time who were reviewing it and saying the cooler's fine. Like it's there's nothing wrong with it, but it might not be cool enough to justify the cost. So again, that ends up hurting sales, which makes it even take even longer to to make good on these these Kickstarter backers. So it, it's a domino effect, right? Or a ripple effect, if you prefer. Yeah. It's a ripple effect. If something goes wrong, it ripples out and it affects. And ultimately, the people that it is affecting the most, at least in the eyes of the backers, are the backers. Yeah, um, which led to some legal troubles. But we're going to tell you about that right after this break. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. 
So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day savings event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options see homedepot.com slash delivery for details the home depot how doers get more done picasso knows your vacation home is your best home it's the place that brings family and friends together it's where you're the best version of yourself picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billings, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot Okay, so when we started talking about Grepper and his ideas, we mentioned that he uh, is from Portland, Oregon. That's where he was operating out of. And uh, Oregon has been the home not just of Grepper, but of some of Grepper's biggest woes. Yes. Uh, He got a whole bunch of consumer complaints to the Oregon Department of Justice. Yeah, 315 incidents of complaints were were filed with that DOJ in Oregon. Yeah, because if you've got an issue with a company, you've got to file it where that company is. Yeah. So from people outside of Oregon complaining to Oregon uh, and the complaints stated that Coolest Cooler was being negligent in delivering their product. Mm-hmm. So that was enough to uh, to inspire the DOJ in Oregon to launch an investigation in 2016. So uh, Kickstarter, by the way, their policy states that any successful campaign is supposed to either deliver the awards to backers that were promised or offer refunds to backers. And so uh, part of the problem here was that Coolest Cooler, at least according to these complaints, was refusing to refund money to backers who were discontented. I mean, they didn't have it. Yeah. But the problem with that is Kickstarter's own policy is that if you successfully fund your project, you either have to make good on these rewards or offer up the refund Mm -hmm. to your backers. So it, it's what gave a foothold for the DOJ to really kind yeah. of look into what was going on. Yeah. Now, in 2016, um, Coolest Cooler did try to 
appease people again. They added a tracking tool to their website for backers to track where the progress of their delivery was. Yeah, like it hasn't even been made yet. Yeah, uh, you could see your place in line, basically. But then they also weren't going in chronological order of who backed in shipping these things. They were going by address, which makes sense from a bulk shipping standpoint. Yeah, but not great if you happen to be, like if you had prided yourself on being one of the first, like let's say that you were one of those first 70, like you were an early bird backer. But because of your address, you were not at the top of that list. You might think, what the heck? I'm the reason, I'm part of the reason why this campaign was so successful. Yeah, yeah. Um, They also tried to put on that tool on their website where all of the money raised had gone to give some transparency to people. I'm I'm guessing that didn't really help much um, because there were employees of Coolest Cooler that were getting doxxed. And Ryan's family even got some threats from some angry consumers. Yeah, yeah. People, man, when they don't get what they expect, they can turn real ugly real fast. And I mean, I get the frustration. Uh, trust me, I get the frustration yeah. <laughs> of backing a campaign and not getting what you were promised when the campaign uh, funds. Uh, I also, in at least one of those instances, did not get a refund, nor did I get my reward. Uh, the the I cannot have any recourse for that because the company that was supposed to make the thing I backed no longer exists. So there's no one for me to get money from at yeah. this point. I'm- it's you just it's the risk of investment. Yeah, you got to know going in. That's again, you have to remember it's not a store. Yeah. Right. So but there are people who they have that expectation and they're like, well, I bought this product and you won't give it to me. So therefore, I it's fair game. I'm allowed to do whatever I want to strike yeah. out at you because you have taken my money. Which, you know, so these people who filed with the Oregon Department of Justice took a much Saner route. Yeah, a more responsible and less, like, psycho, uh, <laughs> unsympathetic approach. Yeah, yeah. So how did that turn out? Um, well, you know, it at least turned out well for some of the backers. The Oregon Department of Justice did find that Coolest Cooler was, uh, or at least was approaching the point of saying that Coolest Cooler was negligent, but Grepper was able to settle the case uh, but the settlement, of course, came with some pretty strong uh, agreements that he had to abide by. One of those was that uh, he was going to have to ship coolest coolers to Oregonians who had backed the campaign. That included 873 backers mm-hmm. in the state of Oregon. Uh, he also agreed that if backers in general did not receive their coolers by the middle of 2020, so we still have some time to go. Yeah, yeah, that- although... Like, uh, while we're researching this episode, there are people actively posting on the Coolest Cooler Kickstarter page. I haven't gotten my cooler. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Well, there's thousands of them. Yeah. Spoiler yeah. alert. But that, uh, anyway, if he does not get the coolers to the backers by mid-2020, for every backer who has not received his or her cooler, they will receive $20 from Grepper. And no matter if the company goes into bankruptcy or if it's still solvent, he will owe that money. It, it, if the company goes into bankruptcy, it will not protect him from that that uh, obligation. He will still yeah. have to pay the twenty bucks per person. Well, and I'm I know people were not happy about this. I mean, obviously they hope to get their cooler. Some of them don't even anymore. Like, I don't care about this cooler anymore. And yeah. twenty dollars is is a small amount of their investment back, but it's something. Well, and you know the idea would be that 
assuming the company was still solvent, that even with the $20 being sent, it would st- the cooler would still be on its way at yeah. some point. Yeah. Um, so it's not like, here's $20, now you don't get your cooler. Yeah. Uh, assuming that the company is still around. Of course, if it were bankrupt, then it's just coming out of Grepper's personal funds, I assume. After this settlement, uh, Grepper actually wrote a letter to people and he put it on the Kickstarter as an update to all the backers. And he explained their plan and he explained their strategies for going forward to get this done. Things like going international and things like that, uh, more investors and stuff. But he was really salty about it. He's like, I feel vindicated that this is how the Oregon Department of Justice ruled that we aren't shysters. We generally want to get you your product. Yeah, we just we can't. And you're hurting our progress. Right, right. Yeah, like like the, you know. We're trying to to do good on the agreement we had, but the more you guys put up a fuss, the harder it is for us to do that. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, like you've promised a toddler that you're going to go to the water park in the afternoon, but it's still in the morning and you need to do some errands and the toddler starts having a meltdown. You're like, you know, I want to go to the water park. Says, yes, we're going to the water park, but first we have to run errands. But I want to go to the water park. I mean, m- mind you, if I had been promised to go to the water park in 2014 and I hit 2016. It's a very long afternoon, Ariel. <laughs> very long afternoon. When you're a toddler, time stretches before you like an infinity. Yeah, that's true. Anyhow, uh, in 2017, there was actually a petition filed on change.org to get them to stop selling their coolers until the backers got theirs again. Which makes no sense. It's it's hurting the process to get you your cooler. Yeah, it, that is kind of crazy. Like the idea that, hey, stop, stop doing this thing you're doing that is helping fund actually getting coolers yeah. to backers and get coolers to backers without any funds. That's not the way the world works. No, no. But Grepper, you know, obviously didn't listen to that. The The petition didn't. It didn't change anything. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a petition. It's a petition. It doesn't doesn't have any holding value over anything other than letting you know there's a lot of people who are ticked off enough to fill out a form. Yeah, so in addition to trying to boost international sales, get more investors, reduce production costs, all of which are great ideas, although hard to get investors when you've got a bad reputation. Yeah. um, Grepper started innovating more to try to get more money. So he made peripherals like batteries and solar panels and charging cords for the coolers. He made a soft-sided cooler, which is expensive for a soft-sided cooler, but apparently is like super magnetic. It's also less expensive than the full coolest cooler is. Yes, and it has like a universal attachment thingy so you can put on your bike or your backpack. But the whole idea was that he could use profits from that or revenue from the sales of those products to help, again, make good on these backers. I I have a feeling that that should the day come when Grepper is able to send off that final backer cooler, it will be an enormous weight off his shoulders. Yeah. So, Jonathan, how many people would you suppose don't have their coolers yet? Well, it's tough to say because uh, there's not really an ongoing tally that I could find anywhere. But in 2018, late 2018, there was an article that stated as many as 20,000 people were still waiting for their coolers. Golly. Yeah, so that's a lot of people. So it's about a third of the backers who who pledged at a level that was enough to get a cooler in the first place. Mm-hmm. So two-thirds got their coolers. A third is, are still waiting. Um, so that's tough. And there was uh, an article in, so the Oregonian was the newspaper that 
published the report that said 20,000 people were still waiting. Mm -hmm. A few months later, they published a second article that stated that during the most recent quarter, uh, according to a, a statement from Coolest Cooler, the company had shipped precisely zero coolers to backers in that most recent quarter, meaning oh. that they they weren't able to do any in that three-month period. So uh, obviously every month that goes by is bringing them closer to that mid-2020 deadline mm -hmm. uh, that they need to make. And um, uh, there have been a lot of other things that have happened over the last couple of years that have added complications. For example, you probably are familiar that there have been some issues about tariffs and China uh, as, as the United States of America has enacted certain policies that have uh, instituted these tariffs. That in turn ends up impacting the supply chain and yeah. manufacturing plan for the coolest coolers. So, which that one hundred percent is not Grepper's fault. Yeah, there's nothing he can do about <laughs> it other than like he, he trying desperately to find a way to still stay within budget and be able to continue production. It's not like it halts production, but it makes production more expensive. Mm -hmm. And since that was the problem in the first place, in addition to the timing issues with things like the strike, uh, that does not make his life any easier. Yeah. Um, again, I really think the lesson here is give yourself buffer. Mm -hmm. Give yourself a leg up. Yeah. Overestimate, like you said. How much it's going to cost. Yeah. yeah. Talk to people. Give yourself a longer deadline, too. Mm -hmm. You know, if backers know that going in, they might be okay with that. Yeah. It's, it's when you start changing things and people had... It's when you've set certain expectations and then you have to change those expectations. Mm -hmm. That's always a problem. And I've seen it on multiple Kickstarter campaigns, and it almost always happens with stuff that's related to producing something physical. And it doesn't have to be complicated either. I've backed Kickstarter campaigns that were producing things like a deck of cards. Mm -hmm. But then there are printer issues. Uh, there are quality control issues. And these things slow everything down and they increase the costs because you have to pay for another production run. Yeah. Because uh, if it's not going to meet the the expectations of your backers, then you're going to have problems. Then. Like you, you either ship nothing and you tell your backers, we're sorry, but the quality was not up to our standards. So we're going to go back and try it again. Or you end up shipping something that is of substandard quality and your backers get upset yeah. anyway because they're like, well, I backed this. That was a waste of money and yeah. a really long wait. And also, you know, the lesson for you, uh, you know, uh, you've listened to this episode, so you know, but realize that you're making an investment. It's almost like loaning money to your family or friends where yeah. you shouldn't, you're hoping to get something back, but you may not. Yeah, you need to, you need to ask yourself, like, can I make this pledge? If this campaign is successful, is it okay if this money never comes back to me? Yeah. Like if I if I make this pledge and what for whatever reason the the actual endeavor fails despite the campaign being successful, am I okay with taking a loss of this? If I'm not, then maybe I should just wait until it's for public consumers. Yeah, exactly. So in this case with Coolest Cooler, if you saw it and you thought, "Wow, that sounds really awesome and I would love to have one of these and it would be nice to get it for a a, a discounted price." But I'm also aware of the potential pitfalls yeah. that can be in the way of production. Then you might think, well, is it is it worth potentially saving $115 off the projected retail price? Or 
is it better for me to wait? Because it could be that instead of saving $115, I'm throwing away $185. Yeah, because policies are great. But the truth of the matter is, no matter how well-intentioned the inventor or the, the founder of the Kickstarter, if they end up going bankrupt due to misfortune, not even mm-hmm. poor planning, but just misfortune and end up living under a bridge, you they can't refund you. It's, yeah. it's just the way it is. Um, uh, it's... It's also interesting to point out that crowdfunding has largely changed over the last couple of years where we're seeing more and more established companies using crowdfunding. And they're not using it to raise the money needed to make whatever the thing is. Often the thing is already made. Mm -hmm. They're using it to kind of judge the reception of whatever that thing is so that they know how much of it to make or whether or not it's going to be a successful product. And so... It's it's changing where it was kind of aimed at the individual creator originally. Like this was an idea like you have an idea for something. You launch this crowdfunding campaign to get the money you need to, to actually bring that something into reality. And then you ship off or you start selling or whatever. Now it's companies are using it almost as a marketing tool. Yeah. And so it's it's dramatically changed how crowdfunding is working in the uh, like I said, in the last couple of years. But we still have these issues. And uh, and there are no shortage of crowdfunding campaigns that do come across as kind of scammy. Mm-hmm. So that's also good. Although, to be fair, both Kickstarter and Indiegogo and others have gotten a lot better at weeding those out. Although Indiegogo, you can get your funding amount even if you don't match it. Correct? Yeah, if you don't, if you set, uh, you can. You can choose if you set... Uh, let's say you set a $10,000 goal, but you only raise $5,000 and it's on Indiegogo. You can choose to accept any amount raised, even if you haven't met your goal, but it's with a heftier fee taken out for mm-hmm. Indiegogo. They take a much larger percentage of the money. So you get you get even less. So if you ask for $10,000 and you end up getting $5,000, you might only end up with $4,000. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things that uh, it's kind of a slippery slope issue. Yeah. Um, we have a couple of fun facts, and I just read them, and now I'm angry. I'm sorry, Jonathan. The first is Ryan Grepper has backed his own Kickstarters. Uh, he backed the potato salad Kickstarter. That's the one that gets me mad. It is, because Jonathan had a Kickstarter around the same time, and his didn't get funded, but this darn potato salad Kickstarter. It was a joke. The potato salad was a joke, and then yeah. it, 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 it got... It got Ridiculous. not just backing. It was, again, like a crazy viral success for a, a, a joke potato salad. I mean, the guy all, did take all the funds and make a major party out of it. All, all props, all props to that guy and and his joke and the fact that it brought joy to people. But uh, I am I am unapologetically envious yeah. Because I had a project uh, it was near and dear to both of our hearts. It was. That I was really hoping I could get funded. And it uh, it also managed to buck another trend. It, it funded about halfway to where it needed to be, but it was on Kickstarter. It was make mm-hmm. or break. And uh, the reason why I say it broke some trends is that generally speaking on Kickstarter, if you reach a certain level, a certain percentage uh, of funding, and I want to say it's somewhere around 40%, that 98% of campaigns that hit their 40% goal during the campaign will all, will get all the way to funding by the end. 
Mine was not one of those. <laughs> no, I'm I'm really sad about that too. So we'll move on to our last fact and then we'll yeah. wrap things up. Yes. Uh, the original version of the coolest cooler had an attached grill. Yeah, which turns out probably not the best idea no. for a product that's mostly made out of plastic. It, it was nixed for safety reasons. Yeah, you so. can't imagine a grill working too well. I mean, you could maybe have like a a standalone little stand and grill that you could put over a fire pit or something. But even then, you'd have to have it cool down enough to be able to put it against a plastic cooler. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that wraps up our discussion about coolest cooler. But before we go and wrap everything up for the episode, we also wanted to give an update about a previous topic that we've covered. We did an episode about Toys R Us. And we talked about how at the end of that episode, we talked about how uh, the, there was an effort to kind of bring these sort of pop-up stores to life. And inside of like Targets and things like that. And uh, the, the Toys R Us name might not be totally gone. And now we've gotten word. Thanks, Mom, for the heads up. As of the recording of this podcast, which is on June 21st, 2019, that there is a, a sincere effort to bring back uh, a larger version of Toys R Us, although not at the full size of the older toy stores. Yeah, there'll be about the third of the size of the old toy stores with more experience points, play areas and things like that. And also they're looking at bringing back their e-commerce site. They're hoping to be back by the holiday season of 2019. So we'll have to see if that happens. Yeah, and if it does, we'll do another update where we'll talk about, you know, maybe we'll have to do an episode at some point that where it's like... That is just all updates. Yeah, it's all follow-ups on, I, I on brands we've talked I about. I was thinking the same thing. Uh, clearly, Canadian would be another one. Uh, mm-hmm. Thanks for the shout-out, Clearly yeah. Canadian. We greatly appreciate it. You guys are it. awesome. I, I, I still haven't received any crates of drinks or anything. Y'all but, don't listen to him. I totally gave him a Blackberry Clearly Canadian. That's not a crate. That was one drink. <laughs> And it was from you, not from Clearly Canadian. Not that we do this to get stuff no, from companies. We're no. just joking. We don't expect nor do we deserve anything from anybody. But let's say that you wanted out there, you in listener land, wanted to give us a suggestion for something we should cover in a future episode of The Brink. How would they reach out to us? Well, they could email us at feedback at thebrinkpodcast.show. Yep. And you can go to our website. That's thebrinkpodcast.show. It has an archive of all of our previously published episodes. Got information about your beloved hosts and other interesting things you can check out. And uh, that wraps this up. Until next time, I have been Jonathan Strickland. And I've been Ariel Kasten. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors 
has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl, go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.